You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can find notes for this message along with more information about our church by visiting church2911.com. Here's our lead pastor, Rick Hand, with this week's message. This is the year I go deeper. This is so important to me. This sermon today is so important to me because I kind of believe all the other stuff that I need to preach, if you guys can get this, <laughs> there's a lot of that stuff, I don't necessarily have to preach. It's good because we still need to, you know, check ourselves and all that kind of stuff. It's like, this is it. If we, if we really can get there with God, then uh, there's a lot of that stuff that just kind of just falls into place. That's kind of a little bit of what we're talking about here this morning. Okay. And deeper is a relative term, right? Because deep, deep in one instance means one thing. I mean, if you're talking about a deep bird bath, how deep is a deep bird bath? Six inches, right? I mean, most bird baths, like, so maybe a six inch bird bath would be a deep bird bath, you know, but if you're, you know, if you're fishing, you know, how deep is fish is deep fishing? Well, if you're fishing in the creek out behind my house, 15 inches is deep fishing. Okay. But if you're fishing at Smith Lake, y'all have been Smith Lake is scary deep, right? I've heard stories of, of guys catching fish a hundred feet deep. You know, <laughs> that's scary to me to even think about being on a boat on top of that much water right there. But you know, and so that's different, right? So deep there is something different or the deepest of all deeps in the world is, you know, Challenger Deep and, uh, you know, in, in the bottom of the Pacific Ocean, that it's actually deeper than, than Mount Everest is higher, that it's, it's actually, I don't think, like three or four times. Like if you were to take the United States of America and turn it on its side, it would like stack several times on top of itself just to feel that. That's crazy, crazy deep. Okay, so deep is, is a relative term because deep means something different in every situation. How deep is God? How deep is God? You know, God's, God's like this, you know, as far as I can stretch, and that doesn't even begin to say it. So what I, I want us to remember is no matter how deep you think you are in God, you got somewhere else to go. This right here, standing before you, 38 years of ministry, okay? Now, I've been in church all my life, but 38 years of ministry where I'm digging, I'm learning, I'm trying to find something to share with a, with a youth group or with a church or, or with a church that I'm visiting or a church that I'm pastoring or something to write or whatever, 38 years. And you know what? I don't even, I don't even say to myself that I have even scratched the surface of getting to where I need to get with God, of understanding Him uh, and just understanding the part of what I need to understand about Him. No way I can do it. So, so for all of us, this is not a sermon for the person that got saved yesterday. This is not just a sermon for someone who's only been a Christian for five or ten months. This is a sermon for all of us that we all need to go deeper in some way because, you know, there's no standing still. It's like you're either moving forward or you're sliding backwards. There is no standing still. So we got to keep getting deeper. Okay, so let me take you to Scripture about, I mean, I think this is the Scripture about deeper. This is Luke chapter 8. Going to read uh, five verses right here, okay? One day Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear it. A farmer went out to plant his seed. As he scattered it across his field, some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on, and the birds ate it. Other seed fell among rocks. It began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. Still, other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as had been planted. 
when the planter had said, uh, I mean, when Jesus had said this, he called out, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Anyone with ears to hear, listen. Anybody got ears in this house? Anybody got ears, okay? Then listen so you can understand. Now, uh, a couple little things before we jump into this is the next few verses, I think about eight more, the next eight verses, Jesus, the disciples come to him and say, explain to us what you're talking about here. And so Jesus does. He gives the explanation, all right? And, and there's four scenarios right there, and he gives the explanation. So I want us to kind of dive into these uh, scenarios based on Jesus' explanation, even though we're not going to read that explanation, okay? It's there in the sermon notes online if you want to read that. I really encourage you to do that, okay? So, so he gives the explanation. Not giving you my explanation, but we're using the explanation of what Jesus gave, okay, as to what these four scenarios mean. And he says the seed, first of all this, the seed represents the Word of God, that when the Word of God is is spoken into your life, or when you read the Word of God and it's, it's somehow put into your life, or your friends are in a Bible study or something, you know, that, that's how the Word of God is sown or planted into our life, okay? All right, so now let's, let's look at these. And there, there's a bunch of ways we could, I don't know how many times I've preached from, from this parable, but there are a bunch of ways how we can lay this out so we understand it. I'm going to lay out a few of those for you, but the one I really want to spend a little bit of time on here at the beginning, I guess in a way it kind of begins with time, all right? So let's look at these four scenarios. The first scenario that we just read about, okay, is, is those for whom the seed didn't change their week. Those for whom the seed didn't change their week, all right? The time impact of the Word of God on their lives is so minimal because their time investment in the Word of God is minimal. The reason that, that nothing happens in their life throughout the week is because nothing is happening in their life throughout the week. You know, we, we don't just have to use Sunday service, but with this first scenario, this crowd right here, Sunday service is the exact, uh, I mean, it's the exact example that we need to use. Here, here's, here's what he's talking about. Uh, he's talking about people like, if we use Sunday services, for example, that they come to service and they experience a great service, great worship, maybe even a good challenging word, great prayer. They walk out the door with a smile on their face, but it changes nothing for the rest of their week. He said that the ground was so hard that the seed couldn't penetrate and get anywhere, and it just laid there for just a moment until the birds came and they stole it away. That so quickly, about the time we get out the door, you know, it's kind of gone. And, and, and the reason that happens is because, at least the people in this scenario, they don't do anything beyond this moment. There's no reflection. There's no memory later in the week. There's no going back to the sermon notes about this sermon or about a song or listening to songs or, or, or Bible studies or their own personal Bible study much less uh, uh, joining in a, to a group of Bible studies. And so what happens is this is good, this is awesome, this is amazing, but it's gone just like a bird kind of swooping in and taking it away. That's the first scenario. The second scenario is this. Those for whom the seed doesn't change their life. Okay, maybe it changes. Maybe they do remember it a little bit and they go on and go on just a little bit more. But all week long, they find themselves still falling to the same temptations. Now, this is Christ's explanation, okay? That the temptation is what destroys the, the seed and the plant. They're still using the same coping mechanisms. They're still believing what they've always believed. You know, that nobody can tell them anything because they've already figured it all out and they don't have anything. So no, no, they don't really need to hear 
anything from, else from the Word of God because I've already got it figured out. This is, so this is the second scenario, those for whom, for whom nothing changes in their life. And so you know what happens? It, the same struggle week after week, month after month, year after year, the same struggle. I mean, one of the, one of the places my heart really goes out to is, is to people who have been Christians for a long time and, and, and their life is like this. You know, it's just like this. And it's like they get so close to God and then no, 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 just, just fall right back off. And it's just never can find that way to, to get on that, that just steady growth slope in their life of going stronger and closer and, and deeper in Jesus Christ. And, and, and I, don't, I don't see new Christians doing this. I see old Christians doing this. I see people that have been doing this for years and decades. And they just keep doing it back and forth and back and forth, and they still fall in the same temptation, still use the same coping mechanism, still believe what they believed a long time ago, regardless of what God spoke to them in a Bible study, sermon, song, or whatever, whatever it was. Okay, that's the second scenario. Here's the third scenario. Those for whom the seed doesn't change their heart. Now, Luke chapter 12, verse 34, Jesus says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Wherever your treasure is. And so, so these people, in, the, in this third scenario that Jesus is giving us of the seed that is being planted, in, in, in this scenario, these people, they, they start out pretty good. The, the seed begins to grow but there are too many other things, not necessarily bad things, but too many other things, just, just cares of life, not, not, not necessarily the temptation. That was the second scenario. Okay, sin was the second scenario. So I, I want you Christians to listen to me today, okay? I want you to hear what I'm saying right here about this scenario. We're not talking about people falling in sin right here. We're just talking about people that have too much going in on, on in their life to stay focused on the seed, the Word of God. Too many things that they can't, they can't keep themselves surrounded by what God wants to do in their life. They can't keep themselves focused on that. They can't think about that because they've got too many other things going on in their life. And so it's probably good stuff, a lot of good stuff, but a lot of good stuff can get in the way of us going to where it is that we need to go. Now, thankfully, there's a fourth scenario. None of these others had anything really real or, or eternal happen, but the fourth scenario is this one. And this is actual verse 15. The seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, and this is Jesus' explanation, represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's Word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. You know, there, there, there's, there's one difference right there in all of that. There's one thing that these people did that, that the other three scenarios didn't do because they all had the Word brought to them. But these people, they clung to it. So they cling to it. And patiently they wait and they hang on to it and they hang on to it and they make sure it doesn't get away from them. You know, that's not people who show up on Sunday morning and forget about Bible and Scripture the rest of the week. That's not, that's not people who, uh, who don't let the, the Word of God come into their life and change their life and challenge them and all this stuff. That, that's not those people. These are people who are clinging to it and patiently, oh, patient. Man, how many of y'all like to have patience? Anybody? Anybody? Anybody like to have patience? Colin, I've been watching some movies, and he's, he's talking about this one this morning. He said, he said uh, this one's not out yet. He said, I hate that they told me it was coming out because, I, I, he says, I just don't have the patience to wait on it. I said, well, guess what? You have to anyway. <laughs> you know, doesn't matter if we want to, does it? But we have to anyway. The only other option is to give up, to quit, and to not receive. And what is it that he says happens? They receive a huge harvest. 
They're, they produce a huge harvest. And, and so many of us ask the question, and I know because I'm the pastor, I'm the one that lots of times has to field the question, is why do I not ever see the harvest in my life? Why are they blessed? Why do they receive? And why do, Okay, listen, this is not about them and you. This is about just you and God. The only thing you can do is right here, look at this right here, cling to it and patiently wait. And God is going to produce a harvest in you if you find that, 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 that place to get in Him and keep digging deeper and deeper and deeper and cling to every word that you can get into. And if you get that, if you get that, if you get there, then you're going to receive the harvest. Now, I said there's a lot of ways to kind of go through those four scenarios. And I want to go through some more of them real quick with you if I can, okay? And here's the reason. I really want you to get this. I want you to understand. You know, because I, I, don't, I, I don't know running through that real quick if you guys are going to get it all. So let me run through a few other scenarios with you, a few other ways of looking at these scenarios. That next slide for me, if you will, Kevin. Like this, how we view our, how we view or value the seed, the Word of God. Scenario one, I like the words. I like those words. Those are some good words. Scenario two, I like the idea. I like those ideas. Scenario three, I like the plan. Oh, that's a good plan. I like that plan. Or I embrace the truth. Now, <laughs> if you got time this week, this would be a great sermon to go back and just think through all those things and try to line them out with the Scripture and the explanation of what Jesus is saying because <laughs> that, that's, that's how this is working. You see, the first, first group of people, they like the words. The second group of people, they like the ideas. The third group of people, they like the plan. Only the fourth group of people said, I embrace. I embrace the truth. Not just the word, not just the feeling of it, not just that, but I embrace the truth. Or here, here's, a, here's another way to look at this scenario. How we listen. Okay, now this is, these are the four ways, and this is not something I say, it's not something the Bible says. This is, the, this is how you know, uh, scientists say we listen, all right? It's first of all, ignoring. That doesn't sound like listening at all, does it? But, you know, so what, what we do is, is when, when we ignore, when, we're, when, we, when we hear something and ignore it, then we, we, are, we are giving no effort. We're giving no effort into hearing what is said. We're ignoring, okay? Any of y'all got people in your family that are adept at this kind of hearing? Is it hearing or that ignoring? All right, here's the second one. It's pretend listening. You know what pretend listening does? Pretend listening, okay, like the first one, we, we, we give no effort. And this one, we give no value to what we're listening to. What we hear, we're giving no value to it. We don't assign any value to it. And so, so, so we just pretend to listen. We're, we're hearing it, but we're just pretending to listen. Or the third one, selective listening. Y'all know anybody that does that, right? Y'all got, got folks like that. I, I think probably at least half of the people in here do, or at least the married ones. <laughs> half of the married people in here know somebody that has selective listening, right? Yeah. And we do it with God. When we really like what lines up with what all we've already worked into our life. But we don't really want to listen to that that challenges some of those things that we've already worked into our life. That maybe tells us something that mm, we need to be changing and we need to be doing differently. That's selective listening. And I find it all, I just told, as a pastor, I, I feel these kinds of questions and I find it all the time where people have selective listening because, man, they can tell you all about this. 
But they kind of won't skip over this part over here, selective listening. But that fourth scenario is attentive listening that goes beyond just the ears and that is internalized. What did Jesus say? Cling. That is, that is clung to. That is internalized. That becomes part of your being and part of your, part of your thought process and part of your plans and all, of, all those hopes and dreams and all of that. So that's another way to look at it. Here, here's, here's another way to look at these four scenarios, the way we learn. All right, I really like this one, okay? Unconscious incompetence. Now, <laughs> you know what that is? That's when we don't know that we don't know. Unconscious incompetence. We are incompetent. We don't know we're incompetent. And listen, that's not just some other people. That is every single one of us at some point in our life. There are times that every single one of us do not know that we don't know. And, and hopefully we've got, you know, most of us, I think, especially here in the South, we've got a whole lot of people around us that just kind of just keep, keep it quiet and just kind of turn and walk away so bless their heart, you know, right? Hopefully, though, you've got somebody in your life said, can I talk to you about this? And when you do, you've got to decide, do you want to remain unconsciously incompetent? Are you ready to listen, okay? When we don't know what we don't know. And every one of us go there. And I mean, I go there. Now, I find myself there in some things. And that's why I've got some that stupid friends. You don't know what that is? Go back to last Sunday sermon again, okay? The second scenario is conscious incompetence, where we begin to be aware that we don't know everything. That's an important step to understand I am not the smartest person in the world. I'm not the smartest pastor in the world. I'm not the best preacher in the world. To understand that, that's just, that's just the second step, though, is the awareness that I, that I don't know it all. And the third one is conscious competence. Now, that sounds like that's where we ought to be getting to, right? Hang on, got one more scenario down here. Conscious, in, I mean, conscious competence is when we do have an awareness of what it is we need to believe, we need to see, we need to think of, we need to do, how we need to react, how we need to treat other people. We have a conscious competence and awareness of what it is that we need to do. But there's, there's a greater place to go than just that. Because when, when all you do is you just know it, you're probably going to do it sometimes but not every time when all you do is just know it. But this last one is unconscious confidence. When you do what is right, when you live right, when you think right, when you talk right, when you treat other people right without even thinking about it because it has become part of your first nature. We talk a lot about second nature, don't we? No, when it becomes part of your first nature and you, and, and, and you do it without even thinking. And somebody brags on you and you say, I didn't even realize I did that. You're thinking, I didn't even realize I did that. Or maybe you just think of it later and you didn't even realize that you did that, that it becomes part of your nature, your first nature, not just part of your first nature. Here's another, here's another way to look at these scenarios. Uh, next. How I let the Word of God impact me. Touch my ears. Y'all ever heard, you know, that, that little phrase in the New Testament about, about, Tickling ears, having itching ears, have them tickled. You know, we all like to hear a good sermon, right? 
You want to say, yeah, pastor, so how about preaching us one sometime, right? We all like to hear a good sermon, but we like to hear a good sermon. That's all that is. Do we just allow God to give us a good sermon so we can just say, man, that was good? Or do we all just like to hear a good song so we say, man, that was good? Or do we all like to go to a Bible study because we just say, man, that was good? Okay, because if we do, then all we're doing is we're just in that first scenario, that place where it, it ain't going to hang, hang with us very long if it, if it just felt good, if it just sounded good. The second part is touching my mind. The second scenario is, 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 is allowing the Word of God to touch our mind, to challenge us and make us think. You know, and, and that, you say, well, that's a good, yeah, that's a good one, but it's only the second step as well. Do we allow God to challenge? Do we allow His Word to challenge us and make us think? To challenge what we say we already know. Because we don't really know what we don't really know. And so we embrace that. But, but the third is to touch my heart. To not just what I think. Do we really embrace? Do we really want? Do we really invite God in His Word to make us feel? to break our hearts, to break our spirits, to break, to break our, 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 our emotions, to break our, our hard, crusty exteriors. Do we really want to allow God and His Word to do that to us? But the, the, the fourth scenario is do we allow God to touch our soul? Because when He touches our soul, everything about us is changed. Not just what we hear or what we think or what we feel, but everything about us is changing. You know what happens then? Then we get to that unconscious confidence where we just, because our soul has been changed, we start doing what it is that we're supposed to do without even thinking about it. And, and here's the last one. The last way to look at these four scenarios is what I let the Word of God change in me. What I let the Word of God change in me. And the first one is present. All right, now, some of you OCD people think, y'all got that backwards because it'll be past, present, future, right? <laughs> right? No, it's, this is the way Jesus laid it out in his, his parable. The scenario for the first one is how we let God change our present because we have a moment with God. We have a Sunday morning service. We have a, 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 something that just helps us for that moment. We like to hear or whatever. And it changes this moment. But remember those People in that first scenario, they've forgotten it before they get to the restaurant or whatever. I mean, how else could you, how else could you, uh, how else could you equate people who've just come out of the presence of God and people who berate their waitress because they didn't do things exactly right? And as I, oh, I, Pastor you, Kurt always gets on to me about this meddling thing that I try to do in my sermon sometimes, right? But how else could it be? Because we don't. We let. His word change our present. But that second scenario, we let him change our past. Now listen to me. You can come here every Sunday morning. You, and you can attend every Bible study that anybody in this church offers. And you can know every song that our worship team sings by heart, every single word. But nothing is ever going to begin changing in your life until you first allow God through his grace to forgive you of your past. And so that's the second scenario. Is, is when we allow God to change our past. Do, do we allow Him to change? What are we going to allow Him to change? This moment, right now, are you ready for Him to change your past? The only way to do that is to accept His grace. The forgiveness of Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for our sins, and so that's how He changes our past. Rewrites it, wipes it out. 
You know, just, just rips it out of the record books. It's gone forever. What Jesus says, our old song, you know, says, what sins are you talking about? He doesn't know anymore because they've been forgiven. And that's an awesome thing. But that's only the second scenario in this. Oh, wait, oh, wait a minute. So he's talking to Christians here too, again, right? That's what I said at the beginning of the sermon. This is not just for those who just became Christians. This is for those of us who've been for a while. It's not just about our present. It's not, it's not just about this moment. It's so good. It's not just about forgiving our past, but it's also about our future. Remember that third scenario, what was going on there? It's people were getting swallowed up. The Word of God was getting swallowed up by all the other stuff. He doesn't just want to help us in this moment and in our past. He wants to give us a great future. But that's not the end of it either. Because the fourth scenario, wait, what's the fourth scenario then? Eternity. Do we allow him to change our eternity? You know, do we really embrace and allow him to change everything about our, our eternity as well? Because that's really the goal of this, isn't it? That's the goal. And so all these ways to look at these four scenarios. And you know, and I think sometimes I find myself still back in one of those scenarios in one part of my life or something. And I have to kind of uh, pull myself back up to that fourth scenario area, because I want, I want the blessings of God. I want the harvest. I want the fullness of everything He wants to give me. You know, I, I hear David's psalm and talks about, you know, preparing that table before me. You know what? I, I want to walk away from that table, and I want it to be empty. You know, if God's prepared blessings for me on this table, I want to walk away, and that table is empty because I've gotten every single thing He wants me to have. I want that for my family. I want that for my marriage. I want that for my kids. I want that for my grandkids. I want that for my church. I don't want us to walk away today and leave stuff on the table. I don't want us to just take the present gifts. I want us to take the past, the, 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 the grace, the past gift of, for, of grace that is for our past. I, I want us to take this future gift. And I want us to take eternity. I want us to take all of those and walk away from them and knowing that we got every single thing that God intended us to have. That's, that's, that's what I want. So how do we get there? You know, here, here, because here's what I think this parable is about. I think this parable is about this question, how much Jesus do you want? How much Jesus do you want? And uh, if all you want is this present, you're getting that, okay? So you don't have to listen to the rest of this message. Okay, just wrap this up. Let me give you three ways to get. And each of these three ways addresses the three scenarios that keep us falling short from receiving the abundance of what God wants to do, okay? Here's the first one. Till your ground, break it open. That first scenario, the ground was so hard, the seed fell, the birds took it away before it could ever, it, it couldn't get down in there. We all have places in our lives that we keep God out of. Now, I think all of us need to examine. We probably got, you know, some of us say, oh, I got them all open. Well, no, no, maybe. Look again. Because it's so easy for us to keep, God, to keep God out of a place in our life because we've got that one figured out, God. I don't need help with it. I've heard people tell me this. I don't need God to help me with this one. I've got it figured out. Everything's going well, okay. There. I don't need God to show up and help me with this. And I don't need him to tell me how to change anything right here because I've got that figured out. Guess what? <laughs> no, they don't. Guess where the next problem normally comes from? Right there in that place that they had figured out. Why? Because God loves you too much to let you be ignorant the rest of your life. He wants you to know, and He wants you to. And you've got to break open. What part of your life are you holding back from God? And say, God, you can do anything. But I'm, I, I think I've got this one figured out, God. Or maybe it's different language that you use. Because, I mean, 
I mean, just in your face language, I've heard people say, nobody's going to tell me, da-da-da-da-da. I learned not to say that in God's presence ever in my life. Because when I start telling God, nobody can, or I start speaking in those ultra superlatives like that, this and that, that's the time that God says, well, let me just show you. And he'll take, a little, he'll take a little one. He'll take somebody brand new in the faith to speak some kind of wisdom into me that I would have never gotten because nobody can tell me this or nobody that's only been a Christian for five or ten years can tell me about this. We all have places in our life that we need to break open and allow God to come in. And you don't have to do this, but it's just if you want that big, full, abundant, plentiful harvest, then open that. That, that. that addresses the first scenario. Here's what addresses the second scenario. Weed and feed. Y'all got weed and feed? Y'all know what, how it works? Kills the weeds, strengthens the grass that needs to be growing. Jesus didn't die to fulfill all our desires. He died so we could be free from our desires. Even the good ones. Now that doesn't mean we're going to throw away all of our good desires. What it means is we are no longer slaves to those desires. I don't have to have that. I don't have to go there. I don't have to see that. I don't have to be a part of that. I don't have to. Jesus died so I could be free from that, and nothing, even good stuff, can keep me down like that and make me have to do and have to do. If you say have to, then you've got an addiction. I mean, if you have to see your boyfriend or your girlfriend every single day, then you're addicted to your boyfriend or girlfriend, right? <laughs> In those same ways. So we need to, we need to weed. We need to kill, put aside, do away with some of those things that are greatest temptation. And let me, let, me, let me challenge you to do this. As I say that, for many of you, something came into your mind. Put that one thing down that thing that is keeping you from really opening yourself up to God and hearing everything He wants to say in your life, put that one thing down. You know, I'd love to say, hey, give it all up, you know, but a lot of us can't do that. Start with one. That thing that came to your mind a moment ago. That temptation that makes you fall, makes you fall, and you keep falling, you keep praying about it, and you keep falling, you put that one down. Or that good thing in your life. You know, we've got good things, and I talked about this briefly a moment ago, but I just say, it's like, a good, a good TV show can still be in the way of God if we use it for a coping mechanism instead of using Him and His Spirit for our coping mechanism. It can still get in the way. So we need to weed, get rid of some stuff in our life, especially the stuff that's, that's destroying. And don't forget the, the second part of that is feed, right? Don't just weed because there's more weeds coming. The enemy's going to keep sowing weeds in your garden so you got to weed but then you got to feed you got to read the bible yourself you got to be in be in bible studies of your own and then find find uh, groups to be a part of you've got to you got to be a part of this you got to embrace what's going on right here right now you got to find ways to you got to weed and feed okay and here's the here's what here's what addresses the fourth the third scenario is check your focus because again it's not the worst stuff going on in our lives it's sometimes just the busy stuff that keeps us from getting deeper in Christ and keeps us from that place 
of receiving that wonderful, powerful, amazing abundance in our lives that we need to have. Check your focus. How do I do that? Well, look back at your bank account. See what you spend your money on. Might be eye-opening. Or look at your calendar. See what you spend your time on. That might be eye-opening. You know, when we say, well, I just don't have time to, to read. Or, well, look at your calendar and see the things that you're putting in front of that time that you don't have to spend with God. Now, listen, I, I, this is not to berate anybody, okay? This is, do you want, do you want that abundance? Do you want that harvest? I, I'm telling you how to get there, okay? I'm saying, if you want to keep all that stuff in your life, if you want to keep telling God, I don't, you don't have time, that's, that's between you and God. If you want to get there, this, I'm telling you, check your bank account, check your calendar, and check your social media. What, what appears to come out of you? What, what, what is important to you? Check that because, and then you'll find out what's important, and you'll find out where your focus is. Scripture says, because where your treasure, where your heart is, there your treasure will be. Where's your focus? And when we have too many, too many things that we're focusing on, we're missing it. Um, here, here, here's the thing. You know, God calls himself a jealous God. You know, sometimes I I don't know, there, there's there's some other ministers in, in the building. I don't know about you guys. Sometimes I sometimes I feel like I need to help God a little bit. I don't think. God, that sounds that sounds kind of mean, God, that you're a jealous God. I don't know, guys, y'all are you other ministers, you ever think that just let me help you with that, God. Let's say it a different way, you know. He says, I am a jealous God. You know? He does not want to be on your priority list. He wants to be the title of your priority list. You know, and not just not just number one, because we, if he's number one, we cover that one, then we go to these others. He wants to be the title of your priority list. And so everything under that somehow reflects to the title of that priority list. That he's the title of that. You know, and I know some people have a hard time. That, Man, he, the jealous guy, how can I serve a jealous you know, Part of me wants to try to make it easy for you. But you need to understand, if you want that harvest, if you want those blessings, if you want that, then you've got to understand Jesus has to be the title of your priority list because he's a jealous guy. And that's the only way this thing works in that way that you and I want it to work. Thanks for listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a need, we would love to pray with you. You can connect with our prayer team by emailing prayer at church2911.com or by texting 205-476-2911. You can learn more about our church by visiting us online at church2911.com and by connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram at Church2911. We hope this message has encouraged you and reminded you that God loves you and has an amazing dream for your life. As always, we dare you to dream.